0: The world around us is changing rapidly. Fundraisers and nonprofit marketers like you have to be flexible and innovative to
1: continue to overcome the challenges you face. We're pursuant and we're here to provide you with the tools, insights, and strategies you need to get you where you want to go. You're tuned in to the pursuant listening experience.
0: This year, we're seeing many nonprofit conferences take on a hybrid or virtual only model. AFP ICON, which is always well attended, went all virtual. For some, this may have been more convenient, but for those who might have missed the sessions, we've got you covered. Today, we'll listen to a conversation between Pursuant Vice President Whitney Norman and Director of Client Strategy David Zacchetti as they take a look back on the top 10 takeaways from the 2021 AFP ICON Conference.
1: Hey, Whitney. It's great to talk with you today. It's always fun when I get a chance to sit down and chat with you. I was bummed because I wasn't able to attend the AFP uh, ICON conference this year. I was busy and I heard that you were able to go. And I'm Mm -hmm. super excited to hear what you have to say and what you learned at the conference. Yeah, yeah.
0: I'm excited to get to share... A little bit of what I experienced and some of the really great content that came out of those sessions, you know, certainly I miss kind of the in-person experience and and getting to be with colleagues and peers across the industry, but AFP icons certainly did not disappoint even in a virtual setup. uh, They definitely still delivered and, and there was a lot of great takeaways that came out of those conversations.
1: Yeah, and kudos to them for, you know, pivoting and trying to do things virtually. I know it can be tough. So, you know, what stood out to you about the opening keynote from Heather McGee?
0: Uh, You know, I got to say, Heather did a really great job just kind of setting the tone for the overall conference. Her her words and setting the stage and kind of bringing everybody together were, were really unifying. There was a lot that stood out for me about her remarks. I did write this one quote down that really stood out to me and I have found myself reflecting on it quite a bit. I even (laughs) wrote it on my inspiration board in my office, but she said, and I'm kind of paraphrasing here a little bit, but she said to win, we can't do it alone. What we are here to do is to create a higher possibility of living. And that is something we can only do together. And I think why those words stood out so much to me is because it really highlighted this Muscle that I think we kind of all strengthened over the last eighteen months during COVID and everything, as organizations and corporations and communities really came together and and supported each other in a really powerful and collaborative way to help all, boi- all boats rise right and really be able to further the impact of all of our missions. And so it, it just was so compelling to me to hear her say that that we really can accomplish so much more when we do those things together. So. Really, really great, powerful keynote to to kick off the conference.
1: That's awesome. First of all, you'll have to take a picture of your inspiration board and share it. (laughs) I'm going to have to go out and buy an inspiration board for my office now. So that, (laughs) that, that sounds amazing. And I think you're right. You know, just getting the chance over the last year to partner with our clients around, you know... Dealing with the pandemic and creating meaningful experiences for people who are separated by distance is, you know, it's just been a privilege to be able to partner with them to do that and to see, you know, how things have evolved and how we can collaborate better. Really, that, I guess, was the one of the silver linings of, of the pandemic. Mm-hmm. Um, how, about the, how about the closing remarks from Wes Moore?
0: Oh my gosh, Wesmore. You know, I think if there is a Westmore fan club, I am, <laughs> <laughs> I am at the top of it. I mean, you should have seen the remarks and comments that are com- that were coming in during during his keynote. Just incredibly inspiring and moving. I mean, Wes is definitely a transformational leader, and hearing his words, I think resonated for for many of us and I'm going to share Something that he said towards the end of his of his keynote that really stood out. And part of it he was actually quoting somebody who was inspiring to him in his life. Um, but one of the things he said, and, and I don't think any extra explanation or context is needed, I think this will hit home for a lot of folks, but he said, when it's time for you to leave here, and when he said here, you know, it was in reference to to the conference, to this life, to this role really whatever here is for you. He says, when it's time for you to leave here, make sure it mattered that you were ever even here. While we're here, let's do something with it. Let's push, activate, advocate, love, fight, engage, alter business models, answer that voice, and end that challenge. Let's be great and let's be bold. And I think those words are really inspiring to anybody who's serving this industry. Obviously, we we got involved in, nonprofit development, because we want to be a part of something bigger than ourselves and leave our mark in a really powerful and positive way. And we all want to be a part of of making a positive change in the world around us. So, you know, I think he really inspired a lot of us (laughs) sitting around our computers, watching the conference to, to take action and to be bold and to be fearless. Because at the end of the day, only those kind of big moves that we make and pursue Will be what's left behind, and so I, I, I think that he is one I will absolutely continue to follow, and you know, be able to see other areas and other places he's speaking because he he's a great, great closing keynote.
1: Wow, that's awesome! What you shared what he said was so powerful and i think that you know those words and especially let's be great and let's be bold is resonates so much particularly in the last year and the necessity to do that during what's happened with the pandemic and as you know with our clients and you know some of the things that we've needed to do to really pivot strategies and partner with them to really be able to rise to this challenge. I mean, you know, we've had organizations deal with, you know, some major issues connected to the pandemic. And what? how do they respond to that, right? How did they create, you know, continuity and meaningful experiences, particularly, you know, around Donations and getting you know people to continue to support um, organizations and you know I I think those words from Wes ring true now more than they probably ever have before.
0: Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And it's interesting to hear that perspective too of some of the things our clients have had to navigate when we think about being bold. So many of the organizations we partner with, I feel like in this last year, really found a way to. Shift away from that kind of business as usual, or you know what we've always done, and boldly tested into new strategies and found really creative ways to keep their donors engaged when you know they had to close their doors or yeah. in-person events, things like that. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, that's really, really great example.
1: Yeah. So, were there any kind of themes that you? Kind of picked up on throughout the rest of the conference, throughout the rest of the sessions?
0: Yeah, you know what? There were a few themes that I felt like really stood out across the different sessions that were offered, and certainly the sessions that I attended. One of the themes that I saw come up quite a bit, and it's actually interesting, maybe because it's been so top of mind. I've also heard it come up in a lot of client discussions in the last week or so, but I I heard a lot of conversations around major gifts and legacy giving really looking at how these programs and these giving opportunities are evolving and where organizations are starting to take more of a holistic approach in in terms of how they're integrating those offerings with other areas of their overarching program, right? So not just thinking about sort of that one-to-one major gift officer prospect relationship, but beyond that, how they can start having those conversations in their, through their direct response. You know, in some of their marketing strategies, asking about it in surveys. So really seeing folks kind of take more of an overarching approach to, to laying that in the program, I thought that was really interesting. Another one that stood out for me was still kind of a, a lot of healthy conversation around COVID-related strategies. So, you know, kind of speaking to what we were just talking about, lots of organizations made some pretty crafty and creative and adaptive shifts in the last year. And I think a lot of the organizations, at least that we serve and and get to chat with, saw incredible results from that last year, right? Huge spike in number of donors and revenue that came in through some of those strategies, despite some of the challenges that were happening last year. And so now organizations are kind of in a place where they have to determine what do we keep? What do we let go of? How do we make sure we're strengthening Relationships and retaining all those new donors that just came on the file last year. Right. Um, yeah, Yeah, lots of healthy conversation about that.
1: Yeah, there, you know, it's interesting that you mentioned about how to strengthen the relationships with those new donors, particularly the surge through the pandemic. And it'll be interesting to see how the industry, how this evolves over the next you know, 12 to 24 months in terms of whether a lot of those donors kind of act similarly to what we would call disaster donors, right? So people who kind of show up and support during really tough times, or if they're going to stick around and, you know, really support those causes that they started to during the pandemic.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. 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 There, there was one other theme that really stood out to me, which I really, really appreciated and loved. That this was such a key topic throughout the conference. It was highlighted in several of the sessions, in both the opening and the closing keynote. It was this this resounding sort of celebration and focus on diversity, equity, and, and inclusion. So, really talking about how we are ensuring of organizational culture. There were some conversations around how to include de in direct response messaging, really making sure we are being representative of the communities we serve and of our constituents. I actually heard a really great quote. I, I think it may have been Wes that shared it in, he, in his keynote, but it was the individuals that we are serving are usually, those who are closest to the problem are usually the closest to the solution. And they aren't represented or, or their voice isn't at the table in creating those solutions. So how do we make sure that, that there is a place for that um, and that it is an inclusive, an inclusive environment and really talking about how that becomes a part of our organizations and our communities overall. But I, I just thought that that was so important to call out. And I was really excited that that was such a highlighted part of the conference.
1: That's awesome. Now I'm even more bummed that I w- wasn't able to <laughs> attend. attend. <laughs> I know, I'm totally have FOMO now. And because you know as I look, think about this last year, it really this touches on, you know, sort of the other sort of turbulence and, you know, transformational year that mm-hmm. we had in our society you know, along with the pandemic and, you know, everything that we saw unfold, you know, last summer and fall, as it relates to, you know, racial equity and injustice. And it was it's cool to hear that that came up during the conference and how that can weave its way into, you know, our direct response messaging and fundraising efforts. That's awesome.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: So I know that we asked you to kind of come up with your like takeaways, right? (laughs) Mm -hmm. Most interesting. So I guess it's now the big reveal. If you could narrow down, you know, the list to sort of the top, you know, 10 takeaways, you know, in no particular order, you know, what those might be.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, full transparency. This was not easy for me. There, <laughs> I went back to my notes from the conference, and there was so much good content shared that being able to really hone in and narrow down on ten was was a bit of a challenge. So, bear with me. I, I think the takeaways that are here that will be will be really valuable and um, something organizations can digest and find a way to make actionable. So, I will go ahead and just dive in. The first takeaway I wanted to share was actually a quote that came up a couple of times during the conference, and it was that this is a time to move away from the pathology of survival and move toward thriving. So really looking back at, you know, like we were talking about, looking back at some of the that we act that we activated and advanced in the last year, kind of in survival mode, right, and trying to make sure that we're closing the gap before year end and, And still coming as close to those goals that were set as possible in sort of this surviving mindset. And how do we now take some of those strategies that worked and build upon them and start to see our organizations really thrive? So, you know, I I would ask of of the group that's hopefully (laughs) listening in on this podcast, Mm -hmm. what does thriving look like for your organization? What does it look like to take some of those big wins and unexpected successes and ahas that came out of the last year? and really find ways to advance those and thrive within your organization. The second one would be the the quote, I guess I had a spoiler alert early on, but what I referenced earlier where Wes asked that question and, and shared with us that those who are closest to the challenge are the closest to the solution, but oftentimes they're not at the table. How can we in our organizations make sure the right people are at the table? Think about your boards. Think about your team that comes together for creative briefs, think about your team that is gathering stories in the field, right? How do we ensure that those who are informing the decisions and the solutions that we're putting into our communities are representative of the communities we're serving or of our constituents who are supporting our mission? How do we make sure that that is capturing their voice and their story and is respectfully and appropriately reflective of those communities? The third one is trust and transparency. Man, this came up a lot and I and I love that. We This is always something we're talking about at Pursuant. But the group shared that trust and transparency are really the key to creating genuine connections and relationships with our donors and our supporters. But beyond that, trust is about being seen accurately and seeing others accurately. So, you know, people oftentimes say perception is everything. In most cases, the more transparent and honest we can be with who we are, the more accurately we are perceived and people can truly understand the nature behind our actions and we give them the same safe space to be equally as vulnerable and transparent. So how can we be more intentional in ensuring we're seeing each other accurately, right? Are we creating that safe space for donors, constituents, our community? to have a voice and share their voice and to be heard so that, that we re- really recognize how we're all showing up in the world. The fourth one, and David, feel free to interrupt me if you, <laughs> if you have thoughts on any of these two. Otherwise, I'll just keep sharing because it's, it's lots of goodness. The fourth one I thought was really interesting was, con- were, was a, a session that I heard. It was actually a conversation specifically about major giving and plant giving. But he spoke about the giving brain and he talks about how the, the value of mirroring and social norming allows your donors to see themselves in a story, right? So as you're, as you're trying to really encourage folks to consider a transformational gift or even supporting your organization through you know, mid-level or advocating or volunteering, whatever that engagement might look like. The greatest way to see success in that is by allowing them to see themselves in that story. So how can you show that somebody like them took this action and here was the impact, right? So what are what are some ways that we can invite our donors on this journey so that they can not only see themselves in our mission and see themselves in our story, but they can discover their own role within it?
1: So Whitney, is it more yep. about showing them that they're part of the story or part of the mission that an organization is trying to achieve so that they can see themselves as not just as the ultimate solution, but more part of the, you know, mission of trying or whatever organizations they're trying to support?
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I think there's a couple different ways you can look at it. I think in terms of some of your direct response strategies the more we can allow our constituents to see themselves in our storytelling and positioning them as the hero it definitely makes them i think more excited about being engaged feeling more connected to the mission and the impact of of their giving the other side of that is when you're thinking about a major gift or a planned gift this concept of mirroring is essentially to show the supporter the donor that individuals like them are engaging with the organization in that way. That's also kind of the concept of social norming, right? Of folks mm-hmm. who are taking the same action, there's a lot of science behind folks being more comfortable with something if you know, their peers or colleagues or people who are in similar situations to them are taking that same action. Today's leading nonprofit organizations choose pursuant for their marketing and fundraising needs As a full-service agency with decades of practical experience working within the nonprofit space, we develop strategies and stories that move donors to action through direct mail, digital, and experiential channels. If you are inspired by donor loyalty and committed to getting better results, visit pursuant.com. The fifth one, all right, we're halfway there on the home stretch. The fifth one is um, that we talked about the three Cs. So Ronald McDonald House really shared this great success story of how they used or are really activated around compassion, creativity, and courage to find success during the pandemic. And their story was incredible. I know the case study is, is posted online, so definitely check that out. But I think it's important for us to consider those three C's in our organizations as well. Compassion, creativity, and courage. How are we boldly and thoughtfully creating those points of connection with our supporters right now and, and thinking about all those new folks that just supported us in the last year, what are we doing to really infuse compassion into those conversations and those relationships? Are we being courageous and creative in advancing our initiatives? One of the interesting things we, we had talked about was in thinking about compassion and in your initiatives, Right. In 2020, we probably had a lot of our supporters who maybe had given to us historically not be able to make a gift in 2020. And so, as you're moving into 2022 planning, and you're starting to think about what lists to pull, okay, does this person now fall into the lapsed or the deeply lapsed bucket? I would really encourage everybody to have, you know, some some compassion around those folks who maybe did lapse in 2020. Chances are. They still really care about your mission and really want to be engaged. But for whatever reason, we're, you know, we're not able to make a gift in 2020. So I would, I would encourage everybody to include that audience in their 2022 appeals. So a lot has happened in the last year. A lot has changed. And my guess would be that those folks still want to be involved and updated about the mission. So compassion, I think, will be really key moving forward.
1: I totally agree with you, you know, I think that holds true for all aspects of donors, right? From, you know, major giving and planned giving to lapsed donors, as you mentioned, you know, people who may not have been able to give last year to our current donors, you know, infusing Mm -hmm. compassion and creativity and courage into, you know, our initiatives is so key to be able to keep those Supporting your organization engaged and also reactivating and re engaging some donors who haven't given to you in a while.
0: Absolutely. There's still a lot of passion for the mission out there. Sometimes folks just need to be re engaged and, and sometimes just engaged a little bit differently. All right, taking a look at number six on the list. And, you know, this one really came down to conversations around having a plan. Specifically, this session that I attended, they talked about how annual campaigns really do offer a strong foundation for a program. But in order for those to really be successful, one, there has to be a plan and a goal that the team can get behind. There has to be a strong connection to the ask or the case for support that you're developing. And then ultimately, you really do have to have that full buy-in from your key stakeholders. I know that can oftentimes be a challenge, right? We, we navigate that with, with some of our clients and partners as well in ensuring that the goals that are defined and the timeline structure to support those goals and the metrics by which you are evaluating the success of the program, it really is beneficial to have that be a collaborative team discussion. So, you know, as you're thinking about your own programs, are you focusing on areas you believe have growth potential? And do you really have the full team's buy-in around how you're advancing towards those goals to ensure that you do have the sort of numbers and the timeline that are, you know, worth reaching for, right? That they are also realistic and that, that folks can, can be able to collaboratively support you in building out that process.
1: This one really resonates with me, Whitney, because, you know, I've been working, you know, with my clients on, you know, annual campaigns are sort of the backbone of any direct response fundraising program. But to your point, I think they need to be meaningful and have a strong connection, right? And so I've been pushing, you know, my clients to think about developing annual campaigns that have themes and that have tie in directly to mission instead of being more focused on, you know, just financial goals or fundraising goals, right? Mm -hmm. And, you know, there's a lot of potential there for crafting strong, repeatable annual campaigns but that have more of a thematic approach to that.
0: Yeah, I love that. I love that. And that, that actually tees up number seven very well. And, and David, I know this one is going to make you smile because a lot of great work with our, our clients and their digital campaigns to make sure we're paying attention to these things. But there was a lot of conversation around giving page abandonment, right? So people were talking about the actual user experience on their website, through digital campaigns. And how oftentimes the experience that's created there is not seamless. And so they don't, they have folks come to the website that can't necessarily make it to the giving page or they make it to the giving page, but then there's challenges with the page. So it was really interesting to, to listen to this discussion and they were providing some great recommendations around paying attention to giving page abandonment and making sure that that's something that you're tracking. And then also thinking about, missed opportunities on the thank you page. And I know that mm. the area that we oftentimes are trying to optimize as well, where the thank you should be much more than a receipt. You know, it's, mm. it's next step to be able to deepen connection and maybe increase awareness around what your mission is, is achieving. Fun videos are a great way to go, or even like one or two little question checkbox surveys so you can learn a little bit more about why they gave. Um, lots of good recommendations there. So I would just say. This <laughs> is, yep. is did make me
1: smile. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> I, know, I know this is, this is kind of your love language. Um, but definitely thinking about if we're creating sort of that seamless online giving experience and how are we tracking abandonment on giving and thank you pages to be able to improve those experiences.
1: Yeah, it's critical. And, you know, the one that I would add to the list that you were saying related to thank you pages is just having it be customized for that particular campaign, too. And having your thank you pages be integrated so it doesn't feel just like a generic tax receipt, right? But that it's a thank you that is meaningful and references the campaign that you're actually thanking them for contributing to.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I figured that one would be right up your alley. Yeah. (laughs) Excellent. I love it. I love it. Okay. So number eight, this was one of my favorite sessions that I attended, but it was really about storytelling and how to be not a good storyteller, but also a good story getter. And I was able to join the session led by Joe Sullivan at uh, Houston SPCA and our very own Matthew Mocare at Carrot Pursuant, where they talked about how the impact and the power and of, of really relevant stories continues to be the most effective way to be able to build and deepen your connection with your donors and, and bring them closer to your organization. And Joe shared some really good tips around how she is equipping every member of her team to be a story getter. I mean, you just, Mm. you never know, especially in an animal welfare organization, when you're going to be out and about and see an opportunity to do some good and being able to capture those moments and take them back to your constituents and your supporters and be able to say, your support allows us to do things like this, to, you know, save these lives, to make this kind of impact. She actually shared that the majority of her team who are out in the field all now have their own GoPros. So, you know, it just... Mm -hmm. Little things where you can really allow all the members of your team or or volunteers to start capturing those mission stories, it ends up being really compelling and exciting to be able to share with donors.
1: Yeah, that's an exciting one too. And, you know, I think that, you know, originally, right, the way that you used to be able to tell a story would have to be through like a direct mail letter, right? Yeah. And now there's so many great ways and opportunities for organizations to tell stories, even in in an Instagram story, right? Or, you know, can be very compelling at conveying a meaningful story. And, you know, I think it's awesome to equip you know, everyone in your organization to be a story getter. One of the other things that I've noticed in the last year is, you know, a couple of my clients have hired content managers. So people who are, their job is to focus on creating content that has powerful and relevant stories that the organizations can leverage in so many different ways.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. speaking of making great hires, the ninth one on this list actually <laughs> drills into that perfectly. It was a session about talent acquisition. So this was actually a panel t- discussion that brought together a handful of industry leaders, and they were talking about their experiences in the hiring process, right? So what they looked for in a job posting was their inclusive we language, When they met for the interview, did they feel like they had the opportunity to collaboratively set goals and really understand what that leader saw as as added value in that role, right? Others were talking about what has kept them in a role or why they've stayed with the organization that they're with for so many years. And they really did talk about having that mutually respectful two-way relationship with with their leader or with their boss and feeling like the had, they had some clear opportunities for moving up in their role, right? So they could see planning for success in the future of their career with that organization. But it really did come down to having strong leadership and feeling like they had a partnership grounded in, in respect with that leader. So, you know, I think that that's something we're all kind of bouncing around right now is how do we make sure we we keep our folks that are, are doing great work for our organizations And, you know, mutual respect and and shared values goes a long way.
1: You know, Whitney, this, this is interesting because I feel a little bit like, you know, when we think about attracting talent and, you know, our mind immediately goes to, well, if we want quality people, we need to pay them top dollar. Right. Mm-hmm. Or to pay them, you know, a high salary. And, you know, I think that people now more than ever are looking for, you know, situations where they can really create a meaningful work experience and also feel like well-rounded and like they're, do- they're making an impact So that, that resonates with me when you're talking about strong leadership, because it's so important to an organization in terms of you as an employee feeling secure and like you can, you know, commit and make a difference, right?
0: Yeah, David, I think you're absolutely right. I mean, leaders in an organization really do set the tone for the culture, for the environment, Really kind of the overall feel when you come into the office or come into the workspace every day. And so I think when you find leadership and a company or an organization that aligns with your values at a human level and and you feel safe and it feels inclusive, that's the kind of organization that you will, you know, loyally stick with and want to be a part of for years to come. All right. And with that being said, we are rounding out on number 10. I may have saved the best for last because I absolutely loved this conversation but the opening keynote that I referenced earlier with Heather McGee she spoke on the topic of social dividends and if you know if folks haven't had the chance to, to hear her share this topic I know that it's still available on the AFP website but she talked about the impact or the return on resources that are owned by society so think about the your individual role and and the role that you're playing in society and, you know, I would really encourage everybody to sort of ask themselves that question. What are what role are we playing to build a multicultural coalition, right? In our organizations, in our families, for our donors, through our missions, in the way we tell our stories, really thinking about how we make our story and our impact a part of something so much larger in, in society. And so that's that's kind of my my 10th takeaway and hopefully something that everybody can noodle on a little bit coming out of this.
1: Oh, again, and you're leaving me with more FOMO because that sounds like it was amazing. (laughs) 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 That's great. This is great, Whitney. I really appreciate you sharing, you know, these takeaways and, you know, it's been so helpful. I mean, I, in some ways I feel like I got such a good sense of what this conference was like and what it was all about. It sounds amazing. If somebody has more questions around what you've shared or AFP ICON, or how Pursuant is helping organizations around fundraising and marketing needs, what should they do?
0: Yeah, great question, David. And and thank you so much too, David, for spending this time with me today. It was lots of fun to get to share some of these takeaways and Carrie, your thoughts on it, where you are so ingrained in some of this, this work, working closely with our clients every day. It was fun to get to talk through some of these really great concepts with you. If folks do have any follow-up questions, you want to dive a little bit deeper in any of these takeaways, talk about how it could be applied to your programs, I love having those conversations. So feel free to, to reach out to me directly. You can email me at just at pursuant.com. Um, Or by all means, check out the resource page that Pursuant has on on Pursuant.com. The resources there are incredible. They're super relevant. We're, you know, putting out something on a pretty regular basis, pretty real time. So don't hesitate to check out some of those tools and uh, don't hesitate if there's anything we can do to support y'all.
1: Awesome. Thank you so much, Whitney. And it's always great when I get a chance to talk to you. So this was fun.
0: You too, David. Thanks so much.